0: And welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And this week we are revisiting a franchise for the second time, which is something that we've done a handful of times? Have we done it at all? We've done it at least once, maybe? Oh, well, yeah. Halloween, of course. Halloween we double dipped. Texas Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw we double dipped as well. What else we got? How many other? Not. It's not a super common occurrence yet.
1: We keep managing yeah. to find new things. And this one is a bit unique because we're double dipping a property, but it's not a franchise by the same token team. Yeah, yeah. You know, because um, previously we did two thousand seven TMNT, right. right? And now yeah. we're now we're going back to the nineties franchise. Yeah, the OG.
0: We are we are heading back to the OG. This week we are talking about. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, which came out in 1993. It's one of the live-action trilogy. You know, everyone loves that classic title, The Secret of the U.S. Everybody loves that one, you know? And uh, this one's not that, but it came after. And um, I'll give a rundown quick, I guess. I feel like lately we've been getting into the, like, cast and crew rundown really quickly. But there is, like, 100,000 different things I could say about this. So we may as well give it some breathing room. Um, It's directed by Stuart Gillard. It's also written by Stuart Gillard. He worked on a lot of stuff, including Twitches and Twitches 2, which I remember being like a Disney Channel original movie, I think. Yeah, yeah, Um, I remember. Won a Director's Guild of America award one time. But most importantly, Liam, he directed
1: an episode of Poltergeist The Legacy. Wow. Wow. Man, I forgot that that existed. Did I know that show existed? Had you told me about that? We heard about it on Poltergeist 3. Oh, yeah, that's where it came up. Which I happened
0: to hear yesterday, and then I happened to learn this, and I was like, what a weird serendipitous moment for Poltergeist The Legacy to return.
1: That's such a deep cut that I'm learning it for the first time again. All over again. (laughs) Man, Um, we we gotta check that out at some point. I'm putting it on the list.
0: The TV show? I guess we've got a couple different TV shows in the list. That's not uncharted territory.
1: Yeah, and this way, people that are big fans of Poltergeist the Legacy won't be (laughs) disheartened that we brought it up and then forgot all about it again.
0: Yeah, and there's two editors who are fucking prolific. William D. Gordine, who did a movie called Rocket Man. He also did Beethoven's second, the first Ninja Turtles movie. Smokey and the Bandit Ride Again, which is a candidate for the show. The Cannonball Run 1 and 2, which is also a candidate for this show. And the other editor, James R. Simons, uh, did Tank Girl, which the previous editor also worked on. Uh, Cobra and Over the Top. The other editor, I think, also did Over the Top. And the cinematographer, David Gerfinkel for TMNT3, also did Over the Top. And then James R. Simons also did some Stuart Gillard work the Naked Gun sequels, the Dan Aykroyd film Nothing But Trouble, and Rambo 3. And that is a
1: tag team. We could watch
0: nothing but their movies for a while.
1: Yeah, the amount of times we've said that. How do you think an editing partnership works? Do you think, like, one person splices the clip, then the other person presses the delete button? one person handles the left side of the keyboard, the other the right. Nowadays, like when I would play Flash games with a friend <laughs> in the mid-2000s.
0: Nowadays, that might be how it works. At the time, I, I wonder if like, I don't know if it's like, um, they they would edit in unison before and just like both have input or maybe like when it was cutting physical film, could you work on different parts of the movie at the same time if you had two different editors like going at it?
1: Like maybe that was the benefit to be had? I bet that's what it is. Like I if they're I, I on think, the same wavelength, you know? I mean, I think if there's anything this movie is trying to do, it's it's uh, save money to make money. <laughs> so it, it wouldn't surprise me if hiring two editors means it gets the work done faster. It's not necessarily we need two people's input on how to edit this movie because uh, we want to get the best edit possible. Yeah.
0: And uh, we got music by John Duprez. Who did the What's, first up, two- What's up, John? What's up, John? What's up, Johnny? <laughs> who did the first two Ninja Turtles movies, and also UHF, the mm. uh, Weird Al movie. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And um, obviously based on the Ninja Turtles, which are Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird characters. And I also noticed that this movie is produced in part by uh, Golden Harvest, who I personally know from a bunch of like Hong Kong
1: action movies. Oh, well, hey, I, I can yeah, feel they that, get around. I guess. Uh, nice. Now I'm
0: going to do the cast... Again, there's a lot of stuff to talk about here. Um, I'm actually going to... I had a tab I had open that I accidentally closed that I'm going to open because uh, each of these turtles has three associated actors. minimum. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's extremely complicated (laughs) because there are the live actors, there are puppeteers, and there is the voice cast. Um, Yes. Did you notice that do the opening credits tell you that the, there are voice actors that are celebrities? Because I don't remember seeing any of those names in the
1: opening credits.
0: Specifically, yeah, what I'm I, saying is, I didn't realize Corey Feldman was Corey in this Feldman. movie until yeah, I looked it up later.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he's in the first one as well. And learning that after I saw the movie surprised me. So I think maybe that maybe that's the franchise way because... Uh, I don't recall seeing it here or at the beginning of the yeah, first maybe. movie, which he's also in. They this want, is his grand return They want to pos- the plausible
0: deniability that they are, in fact, real giant turtles.
1: <laughs> a lot of people didn't do the second
0: movie, actually, but then came back for this one. It's weird. Or at least several people did. But really quick, I'm going to try to pick and choose here, because I gave myself a lot to work with in terms of like these actors' histories, but I think I'm going to simplify that a little bit and not do it for everybody, or else we'd be here for 100 years. Uh, the top-billed actor, Elias Codius, uh,
1: who I didn't... That's, that's Casey Jones?
0: Yeah. Didn't expect him to be top-billed, but he gets around. Um, I know him from a lot of Adam Ogoyan movies, like uh, The Adjuster and Exotica. He's in The Thin Red Line and Shooter and obviously the first TMNT. He's not in the second one, but he is in this one. Um, Paige Turco plays April O'Neil, who is in Secret of the Ooze, but is not in the first one. And she was also on the TV show, The 100. Stuart Wilson plays Walker, who is like the colonial bad guy. Um, he's on Lethal Weapon 3, so we could do that sometime. He's also in Hot Fuzz and The Age of Innocence. Um, Sab Shimono is Lord Norinaga, who is in all kinds of shit. Waterworld, Night Knight Rider one time. He's in a movie called Scooby-Doo and the Samurai Sword, which I've never heard of. I don't know that one either. Um, Vivian Wu plays Mitsu, who is, uh, she's also in The Last Emperor. And uh, now I'm just going to hit the turtles here. Or actually, hang on, there's a couple more that aren't turtles. James Murray plays Splinter. What I think is interesting about this is that he's doing puppetry and also the voice. And as puppetry assistants from Lisa Sturz and Tim Lawrence. I just thought that was neat. Saves money. Well, it saves money, but also like, I feel like it's a credit to him is what I sort of mean is like, wow, he's doing both. Like, yeah,
1: I mean, everything. Elmo dude, Elmo dude does the same. Shout thing. out to
0: my man, Elmo dude, whose name escapes me. One of us should look that up. <laughs> but anyway, in the meantime, uh, John Aylward plays Niles. Uh, he was also in the 2010 movie, the crazies. Oh yeah. Yeah. Candidate for the show. And, um, I, plays Kenshin. He was in the movie gamer. <laughs> Which I love mentioning, just because there was a movie called Gamer. Uh, he's credited as Henry Hayashi, but uh, IMDb has it listed with his, I'm assuming, real name. And uh, yeah, so then we got the, uh, we've got the turtles. Uh, we've got Mark Queso, who's playing Leo. He has uh, a few Mortal Kombat credits to his name in the stunt category, including plug mortal Kombat conquest the show that i am watching with neil on our other podcast mk podcast stuff already not yet well, there you i have go. not seen his stuff yet so he's coming soon we'll Stay Stay you should come on for that one i think i think that yeah, has to be idea. that's the moment of convergence uh he also did stunts in hellraiser 4 bloodline which we missed by just a hair doing hellraiser 5 the voice for leo is brian tochi who is also in Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm, (laughs) which is the animated show. Uh, He's from Revenge of the Nerds. He's in some Police Academy movies. And then the puppeteers for Leo uh, include Jim Martin, who is the face performer. That's how he's credited. Um, Then we've got Matt Hill as Raph, who is in Mobile Suit Gundam Seed. And of course, I was going to mention anything Gundam related. Beyblade Burst. Uh, a bunch of other TV shows, but notably Liam. He's in your favorite
1: anime, Inuyasha. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> he shows up in there, and I was like, is, I is have he, to tell is, you. Is he in Inuyasha? Uh, I don't believe so. Sure. I
0: didn't get the name down. I can look it up. So, Do we really want to know? So
1: that's my that's my favorite character in Inuyasha.
0: Yeah, and everybody knows it's it's lore know. that that's your favorite anime. And in fact, most anime is just Inuyasha.
1: It's a great show. How could most anime not be? What's your favorite thing about Inuyasha, Liam? I like the main character. And who are they? Oh, Inuyasha.
0: What's like your favorite... What's their like cool... What's your favorite like cool personality trait about Inuyasha's main character,
1: Inuyasha? I like that he's like a cartoon. That's my favorite (laughs) thing about it. So whenever I... Just whenever I see, you know... Those those (laughs) Japanese cartoons on the screen. I just know that's my boy, Inuyasha.
0: Always. What's your favorite episode? Like, what's a really cool plot
1: point in Inuyasha for you? Dude, no joke. I'm certain there's there's an Inuyasha episode where Inuyasha goes like full Michelangelo and runs into a burning building to save some child. Oh, really? I, I like that one. Are they wearing a fireman's hat? dude maybe <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's there was some burning building shit in, in that in that show and in, in, that's, in, that's, in
0: inuyasha. When
1: that's when i knew that that show was special
0: when inuyasha was special Yep. and um your favorite anime and then yes tim kelleher is the voice he's got i don't know a couple movie roles but nothing super notable and then um for Raph Matt Hill is the in-suit performer, and then Gord Robertson. Wait, these credits are wrong. Why are all the credits flipped? Gord Robertson did Michelangelo face performer. The Wikipedia page has backwards credits for some of this. That's why you don't rely on Wikipedia to write your essays in high school, kids. No wonder I got a 50 on that
1: TMNT 3 essay.
0: Ah, I had all the credits backwards for the Ninja Turtle puppeteers.
1: Ah, also, didn't help that my teacher was the former face performer for Michelangelo.
0: <laughs> he got like dropped from the project. He was really, really like cynical about it. Jim Raposa uh, plays Donatello. He doesn't have many roles on IMDb, but almost all of them are as dancers, which I just thought was fascinating. Voiced by Corey Feldman. I need not introduce who Corey Feldman is. What's your favorite Corey Feldman role? Inuyasha, I think.
1: That's a good one. <laughs> Are you like seriously asking me though? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um... No, it was just a setup for the inuyasha joke. I, was... I knew you were gonna drop it.
0: <laughs> well it's it's really easy to do. Um
1: Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <sighs>
0: You know, I just made a statement where I was like, everybody knows nobody has to look
1: up this yeah. man's character. And now career. Corey, Corey, Corey's and trying I to figure out it, how like... to do the whole <laughs> Corey, Fe- he just, that Corey Feldman's in so many good movies. Well, all those, the problem all those is, movies he's in, there's I, just so many in my head. Hold on.
0: I know what he is in, but I haven't seen a lot of it. So it's hmm. like, my answer is kind of the Goonies because I've seen the Goonies, you know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Um,. I'm gonna. Can I guess that yours is "Stand by Me"? That seems likely. Uh,
1: you know, it. That was like (laughs) my second choice because obviously when I asked you the question, I thought of it myself, and then it it was the second thing I thought of, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, that's probably my favorite, at least my favorite movie that he's in." But I think actually my favorite Corey Feldman performance. (laughs) And it's up there with Corey Feldman movie. I mean, this movie is right. It's 10 out of 10 with Stand By I Me. I think is... I know what you're going to say. Let's say it with me, Corey. Ready? Three, two, one. The Lost the Boys. Ah. What the fuck? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I've actually never seen The Lost Boys. So that would be a good one to do on the show. Does it count? There, there's, a, there's a lot of sequels.
0: Oh, I was like, why does that count?
1: <laughs> yeah, a whole, whole lot of sequels. But I yeah I yeah, love Tell me about the Burbs. Oh, I just I love the Burbs. It's uh Wow,
0: what a cast I just looked up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's so good. Um and it just it's got that kind of dark comedy feel. Um and when I say dark, I mean like the vibe of the movie is like it a lot of it takes place at night. I mean, um rain, it has like kind of eerie creepy vibes. It's very much like Clue. Um Ooh, which I just That's a huge watched. selling point for me. Yeah, because both 10 out of 10s. um, I just rewatched Clue this last week, and so I'm reminded of it. And Clue is just, it's perfect because it's just this great cast in this small setting where they're able to play off each other and something nefarious is afoot, but like it's treated with... a, a. irreverence but also the characters have to take it very seriously and so um the burbs is just incredible it's one of my favorite movies and cory feldman plays a teenager next door that like just wants to hang out with his bros and like (laughs) is enjoying watching the crazy shit that's happening in his neighborhood and so he just like comments on it and he Invites his friends over to watch what Tom Hanks, the crazy neighbor, is doing, and uh, they order pizza. And he's like, "Yeah, it's the pizza, dude. It's it's very teenage. <laughs> beaten, like you you can you can see the uh, the you can connection. You got cast yeah. in the parts. Yeah. Um,
0: no wonder that movie's good because it's directed by Joe Dante. Oh yeah. Who did I think our mutually favorite film, Looney Tunes, back in action?
1: Great film.
0: All jokes great, aside, um, I fucking in my in my memory, I love that movie. I don't know yeah, if it's good no. still. Does that I'm count? Can we do that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we can. we could.
1: We could. Okay, cool, yeah.
0: great. I'm glad we agree because I was gonna push for it. Um, anyway, I gotta get off Corey Feldman's Wikipedia page here. Yeah. Sorry,
1: there's the end of the Corey Feldman Power Hour end for of, now. End of the Corey Corner. <laughs> well, he he was in a Tales from the Crypt movie, so we'll get back to him.
0: And then uh, David Fraser is Michelangelo, who was apparently
1: in the movie Spotlight. Um, the, I didn't. I didn't recognize him without that big fucking turtle big, face on his head. Big Pixar. I thought you were going to say
0: without a big spotlight for a head, <laughs> like in his titular role in the movie
1: Spotlight. You know that movie it needs no introduction. It's about that fucking spotlight. It's about that Pixar mascot. Um, he
0: was in Charlie Bartlett. You ever see Charlie Bartlett? No, that's a good movie. I I remember it being good. I liked it when I was younger um he was also in a tv show called robocop prime directives which i've never heard of and kind of
1: that kind of sounds like a uh, cartoon
0: it might have been it probably was and then Any. so the voice is by robbie Rist, who is in is that with a w no it's with an okay. r just an r and then uh, so he was in um the angry video game nerd movie notably
1: mm. final fantasy 10 could we do that on the show is the question i'm gonna say yes i think we absolutely could um we'll consider it he was in naruto
0: and boruto oh shit we just talked and about that I, most I love that importantly <laughs> yeah we just talked about inuyasha <laughs> i should have said he was in inuyasha that would have been funnier but guess what else he did liam this is insane to me so i was talking to keiki about the brady bunch because we're obsessed with the Brady Bunch now. That's just how it happens. And he was telling me that in the later seasons of the original show, they were trying to mix it up and the kids were starting to grow up and this and that. So they introduced this new character called Cousin Oliver who would show up and, I don't know, get up to antics or something. I don't fucking know. But this guy, Robbie Rist, was Cousin Oliver on the OG Brady Bunch. Cool, man. What, That's a, cool. what a weird connection, and especially right after we've you know,
1: met the Brady Bunch formally. That is, that is strange. That is, that is on the fringe of being a simulation. Yeah. Well, like between that and the Mortal Kombat conquest connection,
0: there was a lot of very serendipitous shit happening this week.
1: Man, this podcast just teaches me that the world is, um, entirely constructed around you and I. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. It's also, um, a very, very small place. It turns out. Oh, and not to be ignored. Mikey, 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 This is Gord Robertson's big moment to shine. He was the face performer. I feel like, how much more is there to say about our interest in Ninja Turtles? Because we already did a lot of that, but it was like a year ago. Uh yeah. So do yeah. you want to give me like a quick
1: rundown of your familiarity with Ninja Turtles? Of course, yeah. Familiarity is that uh, I didn't watch the cartoon as a kid, didn't really read the comic books, had a Raphael action figure that i fucked with um and you know i would like play ninja turtles on the playground because i knew who they were and and uh what they did it's right there in the name but but other than that i didn't know a whole a whole lot about them my my big introduction was watching the 1990 teenage mutant ninja turtles film uh just a few years ago and i loved it my fondness of it and my connection to it has like only grown exponentially day by day it seems it's right up there with uh spider-man like sam raimi's first spider-man where i'll just be walking outside or i'll be in the middle of my work day and i just have this craving that comes over me as if i want potato chips or something but instead of wanting potato chips i'm just like fuck i wish i was watching teenage mutant ninja Turtles 1990 <laughs> right now it's this. I don't, it has this draw to it, man. I don't quite know what it is. You know, the first time I saw it, it was probably a three out of five, three and a half out of five. And just a couple weeks ago, separate from us doing this episode, I was thinking about it again. I went on Letterboxd and I changed it to five out of five. So <laughs> I just I feel it in my bones. And so I've probably seen that movie four or five times um, in the last few years. From there, I have seen the entire original trilogy. I I liked the movie enough. I found a friend who liked it. And so we took one summer night in my basement and we just watched the original trilogy back to back to back on VHS tape. And so uh, this was my second time watching TMNT 3. For me, I kind of
0: know most of what I know about Ninja Turtles purely through like cultural osmosis. I think I've seen the first movie in full now but i hadn't for a long time i know a lot of the lore from like videos i would watch growing up we talked angry earlier ninja about game the nerd. angry what video up? game nerd uh shout out to my turtles man turtles in time maybe shout out to my man james Rolfe. also watched his video on this very film that was kind of it like i know a lot about ninja turtles but not through direct affection for the property it was more like i just learned about it in the way that i was learning about godzilla movies or whatever else i guess all of it was just a james rolf education so heading into watching this because of that video largely uh my assumption is that this is like an absolute travesty of a film and i know like being angry is his whole bit but like this movie gets absolutely annihilated in that video teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 suck shit that's all you need And the VHS starts <laughs> to fall out of the sleeve and he has to push it back. Oh, in. and he
1: slaps it <laughs> yeah, back yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, yes, I actually can't believe I forgot. I watched this video like a month ago, and that fucking <laughs> amazed me. Everyone has to look this up. I'm not even joking. James Rolfe, angry movie nerd, TMNT3 <laughs> review. Yes, he's talking to the camera and he says it sucks shit and then it's right before he finishes to... talking. He, it starts to slide out when he <laughs> yeah, slams it, it back. It slides up. out the bottom of the sleeve, and he hits it, and he keeps going. So gotta... much disdain for the film that he did not do another take. Yeah, and and well, it's just so smooth too, right? Like it's it's a better performance, more passion than you're going to see in this movie. I would I would hazard to say. So yeah, so that's that's where you were coming from, right? Is is just that. yeah for this movie? It was basically just that.
0: Maybe people doing similar videos at the time also did videos on this movie and i watched those but that was about it so i i did not hold the movie in high esteem
1: (laughs) i'll put it that way but i also didn't know anything about it i knew that going into it the first time as well that um it had a reputation uh you know, I'd I'd heard a whole lot about TMNT two, the secret of the ooze. Like you said, everyone knows that title, but the, no ooze. one really talks. No one really talks about the third one, and when they do, it's just that it's bad. And so I, I was I was uh, in the same place as you the first time I saw it. The bit here is the turtles have to travel to feudal Japan sixteen oh three
0: to save April, who accidentally got there by mis mis wielding a ancient scepter that she found in a thrift store and it there's mass displacement and it swaps you with people from feudal japan so then splinter and casey jones have to deal with some like ancient i keep saying ancient but that's not really the right term some feudal japanese no, it's dudes. Uh, it's feudal it's japan some sort
1: of antique <laughs> what she says that in the movie like three times oh it's it's some sort of antique <laughs> yeah. i have and then leonardo is like hey what you got there and she's like it's An antique. some sort of japanese antique uh, they had two people editing this movie and they, co- oh, my. <laughs> they couldn't decide right. what take was best so they kept them both in and they gotta go get her and when
0: they get there there's like this dude um lord norinaga who's being like besieged by this shitty colonialist english prick <laughs> Who was like, I'll give you guns. And he's like, I don't want your guns. And he's like, okay, I kind of want your guns. And he's like, okay, give me all your shit then. He sucks. Fuck that guy. Um, and the turtles show up and they do, they talk about pizza and they kick a lot. You know? <laughs> they do Ninja Turtle shit. You know what? Let's just, let's just do this. Let's go. This is potentially the least viewing a movie has ever impacted me ever.
1: This was a completely neutral experience. Corey just like stared at the screen, (laughs) had a slack jawed, some drool coming out of his mouth. He went into a fugue state.
0: (laughs) Like, I feel no better or no worse for having seen it. It is nowhere near as bad as the angry movie nerd would lead you to believe. It is still very bad, but like, it's not offensively bad. I just didn't care. Like, Images flashed before my eyes, and they were pulled open, Clockwork Orange style, but none of it was retained. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing on
1: this. I'm in a very similar boat, Corey. Um, so the first time I watched this movie, it was again at the end of a uh, tail end of a marathon, and so I was I was definitely in the mood. It was on VHS tape, so it had that aesthetic going for it. I was like eating chips with my friend and we kind of goofed on it and, and i chips already guy guy loves chips keep talking about chips <laughs> <laughs> and uh chips I, I, are I, the inuyasha I, of food <laughs> <laughs> i already didn't like secret of the ooze that much like that was a big step down from the first one as far as i was concerned and so this movie just struck me as it's just not the first one again and it's um, it definitely has a weird vibe, but I didn't come away thinking this is the worst movie I had ever seen. In fact, um I rated it a two out of five on Letterboxd, which is like it's not that bad. You see that you see that on Letterboxd, and it's like, yeah, oh, this guy didn't like the movie, but you know, he's not he's not piling on the movie or anything. And um I would say that this time I, I disliked it more than that first time. But also I I know exactly what you're saying when you say like this movie it's not as bad as people would leave you to believe it it didn't rile you up. I would say the same thing. It's the more I think about this movie, the more I find things to dislike. Like well, not even di- dislike, just stuff like, that's not good. But like Yeah, stuff that of isn't Of course good. it's not good, you know? Like <laughs> That that's right. And so as I'm watching the movie, it's not like I'm I'm not getting upset or like really lamenting the use of my time the way I did with uh say the Flintstones 2, which I think is, is a pretty comparable film because it, you have someone coming off the success of an initial property using those characters again even though we don't have the same team happening yeah. and we're just going to throw them into a story and because it's the characters we know then it'll be fine. Um and that movie is Somehow much more offensive, whereas this movie is just, uh, it just coasts, right? It's it, nothing. It, 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 it's nothing. And, and that was the plan. I think the filmmakers just thought, kids are stupid. We use the turtles again, and uh, we throw some stuff together, and it'll be okay. And so there's no choices that are very offensive because they're not really making choices at all they keep hinting at making choices okay this movie is about time travel it doesn't matter how it works um, at all we're not going to get into that okay casey jones is coming back to this movie what are we going to do with him well we're not really going to do anything with him he's gonna, he's going to bop around but don't worry he'll play a dual role and he'll be in japan with the turtles it'll be so sick what's he going to do in japan well, nothing really. Uh, nothing. We-
0: and also, like,
1: <laughs> that actor. Complete waste of his talent.
0: I like him as Casey. like Well, as Casey, mostly, because like he's so New York it hurts. But, like, I feel like you've got a lot of talented people here given nothing to do and a bad script. So it's like, well, they're not going to save it, so you're just going to kind of be here, you know?
1: Yeah, it is a very bad script. It is laced with, like... It's like 90s pop culture references that aren't meant for kids. So mm. the movie just keeps revealing itself to have been written by, you know, the director. Like 40, like, yeah, like 40, <laughs> a 40 year old who uh, who is just like slipping in stuff that, yeah. that makes no sense. But it's a reference to the current day. And it's uh, and then in terms of the mechanics of the story. Hell, again, I'm th-
0: a turtle and I can't get up.
1: That was my biggest laugh from the movie, I gotta say. Um, because it's just so... It, it's so not clever. And it comes kind of halfway through the movie. I had heard a bunch of that stuff already. And so I guess it's almost... It's that thing of like something is not funny for so long. And then it just gets one more <laughs> you time... You hit it And, once. Becomes funny. and like... So that one got a rise up. The of me. structure too
0: is like... Everything else is so simple like dead brain dead simple that it's this movie has absolutely no respect for it o- its audience at all
1: this, yeah, and this f- movie is made by people who think kids are the dumbest things alive and the frustrating part is that the movie is way more complex than it needs to be on the surface <laughs> but because it is so simple then the complexity just ends up adding up to absolutely nothing and it makes me think if they had gone even more simple the movie would have been better because the time travel mechanics make absolutely no sense at all it treats it as if what's happening in the past is happening concurrently with what's happening in the present day it's like they're two different timelines like i almost wonder what this movie would have been like if it were structured like the brady bunch movie
0: (laughs) At what point do you get more returns out of basically doing a joke compilation than whatever this is? Like, just put the turtles in interesting
1: situations. I think that's what they thought they were doing. (laughs) (laughs) Because like I said, you get these weird like vignette type things where the big one that jumps out to me, I've referenced it a whole bunch, is when Mikey, or possibly not Mikey, but I think it's- A big turtle- uh, He's a big turtle with uh with some sort of disease source on his body. He runs into he runs into uh the burning building and he gets this kid out, and then there's like this pretty elongated sequence of this kid getting CPR, and it feels like it's like a like a Sesame Street episode or something.
0: On a very it, special episode of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
1: And then of course, and then throughout that segment, you get a couple um jokes that are just like laid on it like a limp noodle like when uh mikey runs out of the building with the kid in his arms he says kurt russell eat your heart out and like that's what does the, that even mean i guess at the time kurt russell did a movie with like a burning building he must have if i if I had to guess yeah that classic kurt russell film inuyasha Corey, i don't know what we're gonna do with this episode i feel like i'm out of like, stuff to say <laughs> we've done it that's it that's it like um this
0: feels very much like the first time we talked about the Ninja Turtles, where we're not given a whole lot. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: and that movie was, like, better. That which movie is was weird. dramatically it's it, better. It's weird that it can be on different ends uh, of the well, spectrum, but because, add up to the yeah, same
0: thing. Quality-wise, TMNT 2007 is
1: leagues ahead, but it's as boring. <laughs> and I guess... So I had seen this movie before and so i bear the responsibility of uh, w- we decided to do this for the podcast I, I don't know what i was expecting but if it had turned out a bit different me may- i know what if, i was like, expecting i thought it was that? gonna be something so bad we could rip
0: on it and have fun but not like flintstones bad to the point where we wanted to talk about something else but i do mm. think i'd rather watch flintstones again before this <laughs> flintstones at least gets an emotion out of me i'd rather feel pain than nothing Nothing at at all all. (laughs) there's no we there is nothing to be gained by going through this movie like scene by scene nothing some of it's competent like there are some shots i think look nice especially at the beginning with like that golden beach and the people on the horses that was pretty cool but like everything else is just a total fucking non-starter and the characterization of the turtles feels weird where it's like their personality is like they're all they're all first of all they're all basically party dudes but like they are as committed or not committed to both each other or the setting as much as is required in a given
1: scene does that make sense like that's they're very no, that, malleable yeah, that's exactly it that's why we're losing track of who is who
0: <laughs> yeah like i don't know and um there's that weird, it they feels tra- like- they try to like make the turtles like befriend children and it's like but why and they try to do like time travel jokes with like april and the cd or the tape player i guess and those just don't land. The villain is just not interesting. It's the blankest slate of a movie. And it
1: it feels like hard to fuck this up, right? Like, doesn't it? It, it absolutely does. Okay, here's what you do. You got to make another Turtles movie. Got to catch stick, in. You stick to dark alleys. You stick to the sewers. That way you can't see so well that you've downgraded the costumes so heavily. And you just make them bop around, solve a couple crimes, that's it. That's, that's really all you gotta do. But by taking a big swing of putting this movie in Japan, but then not actually having any ideas to put on top of that, it just makes it so much more glaring that these people did not know what they were doing. This movie feels like it was written by aliens. It feels like, like they didn't have a plan. Like, it feels
0: like everybody showed up to set day one and they were like, cool, what are we doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it absolutely like, does feel that way. It feels
0: like kids making a movie
1: as they go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even then, you don't have the imagination yeah. of a kid. You just have the imagination the pop- of references Gillard. of Stuart Gillard, right? Because I've heard... Um, <laughs> <laughs> i've I, i've heard some people uh talk about this movie on podcasts before they saw it back in the day and it didn't work for them at all it doesn't even work on a kid level i mean it killed the franchise this this yeah. was it it, it, it we didn't, didn't make get money. another one until like 14 years later <laughs> yeah take, take james rolfe for example he would have seen this as a kid and, and he grew up into the angry movie nerd. Look what this movie did. He probably said it was like diarrhea falling out of an ass. Or something. <laughs> out of an ass. Out of a he, ass. He, he wasn't creative enough to think of whose ass it would be. But it's just... He knew there was an <laughs> ass involved.
0: Well, and I feel like the studio knew too. Because they were like, ah, fuck. What if we add a subtitle? that is the same subtitle that a popular video game had because uh, like tmnt turtles in time the video game came out in 1991 and this movie came out in 1993 their plots are not the same but in some places this movie is called teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 turtles in time and it's like that was just hoping that might make people buy it more but it's like there's just this movie is like if you typed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles time travel into like a movie generator, but you unplugged it like 65% of the way through. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's oh my gosh, it's so crazy that they're at the third movie and they're already this out of ideas and they're already going to feudal Japan. Um,
0: I do have a couple fun facts about uh, the production company that did the new effects, the new suits and stuff.
1: I would love to hear it, Corey, because I... Because <laughs> we're done talking about the movie, I think. <laughs> we've exhausted ourselves, and... So also, you cannot tell who is voicing
0: who, and there's a lot of crosstalk. so there's a lot of jokes where people are talking over each other. You don't know
1: who's talking, you don't know who anybody is. My biggest issue with this movie and us doing it on the podcast is that, unfortunately, we ended up where... The movie doesn't really offer a whole lot and so there's not much to say that hasn't been said before we're not going to be able to offer anything new if we had come into this and Corey had like been brady bunched um or just had like a lot of fun with the japan stuff because Corey likes history i don't i don't know i don't know even <laughs> that's a stretch because this yeah. isn't like a historically rigorous film Right, 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 right. But if you like you know, you like history enough it's like even even the on the surface level, it's like, hey, this is uh hey, this I'm kind walking of makes here. me think, yeah. All right, tell I'm, tell I'm us walking through product- time here. Tell us about this production company. There's not a
0: lot to say, but I went to their website, which is looks extremely old.
1: I love that. Um, I love old websites. But there is a phone Space number Jam. on it. Eat your heart
0: out. There is a phone number on it. I'm not gonna call it. Uh so just go to all FX like a l l f x dot com
1: oh yeah that does look old
0: and now you know everything i know but for the listeners um on this website they say that uh all effects company they did the energizer bunny they did the johnny five robot from short circuit and they worked on movies like demolition man alien resurrection virus and Stuart little all good movies with good effects well, all movies with good effects. That, that I can at least say with certainty. These suits are pretty rough comparatively, but like it's Jim Henson, right? Like you're not really going to top that. But I just thought it was neat that like they appear to still be like active and around and stuff.
1: I don't know that this website screams alive and active. <laughs> this looks like <laughs> the web developer and everyone involved in the team died in 2003- well, and uh, IMDb, the webs- the website has just continued to live on.
0: The Eric Olard who was name dropped is literally doing effects on Lovecraft
1: Country right now. Well, it looks like uh he has abandoned his all effects pass. May- <laughs>
0: because- that may be true though he also <laughs> recently did Godzilla King of the Monsters. He helped work on that. Um I am noticing here though a big gap uh in terms of films uh from 2009 to
1: 2017
0: so oh he he did some work on once upon a time in hollywood as well
1: yeah we are he's getting around we are looking at the the website and the resume of a man that does not want to be associated with this stuff anymore this is this is a sorry because because here it says eric allard enjoys a solid reputation as the creator of a wide range of live action special effects including and then we have credentials and like Corey said, it, it goes from short circuit to matrix reloaded to TMNT three and, and then that's it. You know, I think uh, if he's working on Lovecraft country, I mean, you think he'd want to put it in here, but it looks <laughs> like he's, uh, he's moved on. Yeah. And, um, uh,
0: so have we, we should have got him on the podcast. We probably could have, we've got contact information right now. That's the last interesting thing I have to say personally. Um, Hang oh, on. Uh, when, we got, I... when we got feudal Japanese guys playing hockey, I thought it was going to be our next karate kid monks play bowling, but it really wasn't. <laughs> There's like, they have the feudal Japanese dudes in current times for basically
1: one joke. It's really stupid. And so to tie Casey Jones to like babysitting these people from the past and current day and do that culture shock thing to then not use that plot at all and just have it for one joke makes no sense and then the casey jones thing honestly is what confuses me the most about this movie because it's not a case of we don't have the casey jones actor and so we need you to do just have and he's inexplicably in top build you have him in and a he's whole top lot of movies because he. I understand. He's, he's barely in... in the fucking movie! <laughs> but he's why in is both... he top-billed? He's he's the only character that's in both timelines at the
0: same time. I genuinely think the billing might have to do with how much is an actor's face on screen when you're doing, like, suit stuff, too, or voice stuff. And that's why, like, I didn't know
1: Corey Feldman was here, but I knew damn sure that Elias Koteas was here. So to have him as an actor in the past sequences as well he's gonna take you back to the past you would you would think that they would then tie that in to the current day somehow but they don't do it at all there's he just no looks, it's
0: just a guy that looks kind
1: of like just him. a guy
0: that happens but like <laughs> he's got a beard and short hair which means that he had to go through the effort of growing all that like growing his hair out long then cutting it off or it's a oh, wig, man but then he had a beard yeah, so I then think, what it, I, I don't know it doesn't matter In any case, this movie is the equivalent of drinking room temperature water when you're already hydrated. For anybody who maybe doesn't keep up with every episode we've ever done, TMNT 2007 clocked in at a whopping 46 minutes. (laughs) I like the thematic consistency of, you know, there's only so much to say about TMNT sometimes, and this is another great example of that. And uh, we can put this right up there with our Tron Legacy episode, our Pet Cemetery
1: 2 episode, our Santa Claus episode as being short but sweet. This is one of those episodes where, if, if someone were to make a "They Made Another One" podcast about our podcast, they would talk about this episode. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> an, an episode on, on TMNT three, huh? No one, yeah. no one really, uh, no one really talks about that.
0: Anyway, December is coming up, and the holiday season is coming up, and with that, TMao will be shifting into Christmas mode. Or at least holiday mode. They might not all be, strictly speaking, Christmas movies. You can prepare to get festive along with us. I think it's something that we've been looking forward to. It'll be a nice change of pace. And it will almost certainly give us more to say than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. In the meantime, we are going to go... You know what? We're just going to get out of here. We're done. The podcast is ending. I want to thank everybody once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. I said that really far away from the mic, I think. And for that, I apologize. I will not be taking it again because in the spirit of TMNT three, they wouldn't have either. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another, which is all one word. And on letterboxd that TMAO, you can find episodes on anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google podcasts, Stitcher breaker, and everything else. As they made another one, you should also leave us ratings and reviews wherever you can, because it's a nice thing to do and you'll feel good. And that's nice. You can reach us via email at TMAO podcast at gmail.com. With recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and better ways to spend 90 minutes than watching this movie. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And our soundboard clips, when the soundboard decides to work, are done by Jason DeLine, who you can find on Instagram at DeLineMan. Liam, where can
1: people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow. On Twitter and Letterboxd, my username is Graham the Mallow. As previously mentioned,
0: you can find another podcast I do with friend of the show Neil um, about Mortal Kombat Conquest at MK Podquest on Twitter and your podcatchers of choice. You can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Mr. Corey Price. And with that out of the way, thanks again, and we will catch you next time for more. They made another one. <laughs>
1: Man, this movie would have been so much better with a mid 2000 soundtrack. It really would have. I almost started the episode with
0: that, but I thought it would have been a bit too jarring. Nice. <laughs> but, dude, imagine they should make Billy Talent go to feudal Japan. That would be sick. That would be sick.